Good morning, everybody. Trust that sometimes we do things that are a little bit different, like shouting the name of Jesus three times, but there will be attached to faith incredible breakthrough that comes from that. Put things in perspective. Um, I, I just, just while we were in worship, I feel we've had a season of foundation building, God dealing with root issues, and it's time to build. Uh, God's got building ahead of us, and Jesus builds his church, and we build people. And we want to invest in building people so that everyone lives the life that God's called them to. Um, I feel just as I was praying, different, different words for different people. And I, I, I don't know uh, to share it here or now. Either way, I'm going to do one. The Paulies, I feel I just see you running through walls and smashing them down and just charging ahead. feel like it's your season to run strong. Press in, push forward, trust God for great breakthrough, but breakthrough is coming for you. Um, if, you, if you are in this place and you need breakthrough, your breakthrough is attached to faith and holding on to Jesus. So today we are talking about tilting the scale in our favor. So there is so much that is happening in our lives that's trying to pull us off course. So today we're going to talk about what we need in order to keep ourselves on track so that we, can't, so we don't just constantly get pulled off track. And we've been going through the book of James that many theologians call Proverbs of the New Testament. So I want to say, well done. Well done. Because it's a meaty book. It's a difficult book. There's some challenging, lots of challenging stuff in the book of James. So well done for being committed and connected. It's not easy. But when we take it from the head to the heart, it leads to spiritual maturity. Think about this. All scripture is simply information. It's information. Yet when we understand where that information comes from and we attach it to our faith, then all of a sudden it changes radically. The fact that God wrote us a book, God, the creator of the universe, used people by his spirit and he gave us a book. And when we study the book, the book studies us and our lives are changed forever. That information becomes revelation and that revelation leads to transformation and we are never the same again. So as a church, we will always honor scripture. Because the greater our revelation of Scripture, the greater our revelation of Jesus. And spiritual maturity overflows and impacts every other area of our lives. Scripture leads to spiritual, relational, financial, emotional, physical, mental, and vocational maturity and gives us everything we need to live our best lives. So we are going to trust God that the Scriptures will be true to us, even as I'm preaching this morning. So James, the half-brother of Jesus writes us a a book of spiritual wisdom explaining what spiritual maturity looks like. Remember in week one, the five marks of spiritual maturity. And if you allow this to go from your head to your heart, then you are wiser now than you were when we started. How to handle testing, trials and temptations. How to handle truth. How to handle the tongue. How to handle patience, Charlotte preached last week. So much more than just waiting. It's how we wait. It's what we do while we wait. And today we're talking about how to handle prayer. If you receive what I'm saying from God and we take the meat, spit out the bones and let the Holy Spirit speak to us, we will be different. Our children will be different. The generations to follow will be different. The environment around us will be different. But prayer will unlock something that only prayer can unlock. Um, I believe that there is more power in prayer than we recognize. And I trusted this morning, not through my best effort, but through the Spirit, God will open our eyes. When we pray, it connects us to God and God to us. 
It pulls heaven to earth. It breaks what's ungodly and builds what's godly. It pushes back darkness. It pulls in the light. It changes us. It changes others. It changes the world. It honors God. It includes God. It reflects God. It pleases God. It's an act of obedience. Prayer releases faith. It releases power and anointing and authority. It restores. It exposes. It illuminates. Prayer is more than we give it credit for. It's a supernatural power that we have access to. And it's an area, just so that we all know, it's an area that we can grow in. Scripture teaches that some prayer is more powerful than other prayer. And that our prayers can be hindered. It is possible that you are praying and you feel like your prayers are hitting the ceiling and your prayers are being hindered. And if that is the case then I want to say, how can I get to a place where my prayers are as potentially powerful as they can be and my prayers are never being hindered? I want to know what that is. I want to have access to that power and that wisdom so that my prayers are not hindered and they are full potential. May God this morning open our eyes to the power and potential of prayer because I don't believe we truly embrace it. And that's not criticism, that's me. I think to myself, when I get to heaven, one of the things that God will say is, I wish you had prayed more. I hope we pray more. And we don't want to pray in proportion to our problems. We want to pray in proportion to the power that God has given us access to, not just my problems, the whole world's problems, and so much more. It's a relational gift. So we're going to read James 5, verse 13 to 20, and I'm going to read it from two versions. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you as I go through the Scripture. Okay, I know know it's hot. I know it's hot. (coughs) Oh, sorry, James 5, 13 to 20. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed uh, any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Do you want wonderful results? Do you want to see great power? Elijah was a human like we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crop. Remember that story. I don't know if it's a true story or not, but a story about a prayer meeting because there was a drought in this particular area. So the community got together and said, let's all get together and pray and bring our faith and a symbol of faith. And people took their Bibles and one little girl, I think she was with her brother, she arrived at the prayer meeting with an umbrella. And it was like, it's a drought. What are you doing here with an umbrella? And she's like, well, we're here to pray for rain. You know, so, so that's the kind of faith that we want, saying, actually, I'm going to back it up with my actions because I'm going to pray and trust God. Verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. I want to read that same scripture from the message and give us a fresh perspective. Hear it from where it comes from. Are you hurting? Pray. Do you feel great? Sing. Are you sick? Call the church leaders together to pray and anoint you with oil in the name of the Master. Believing prayer will heal you, and Jesus will put you on your feet. And if you've sinned, you'll be forgiven, healed inside and out. Make this your common practice. 
Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Elijah, for instance, human just like us, prayed hard that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't. Not a drop for three and a half years. Then he prayed that it would rain, and it did. The showers came, and everything started growing again. My dear friends, if you know people who have wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. Go after them. Get them back and you will have rescued precious lives from destruction and prevention, prevented an epidemic of wandering away from God. So I'm going to break this scripture down. Break, break, break it down, okay? Um, I'm, going to break, I'm just making sure you're still paying attention. I'm going to break this scripture. People are like, oh, don't, do, don't do that. <laughs> Think first, speak second. Anyway, so I'm going to break this scripture down. And I'm going to, initially, just to simplify it for now, there are two seasons in our lives. Seasons of struggle and seasons of singing. Seasons of struggle and seasons of singing. And imagine now, you're going to have to use your imagination and picture this with me, that there is a massive scale in your life or on the stage and you can see the scale. There are certain weights that, we, that, are, that go onto our seasons of struggle and certain weights that go onto our seasons of singing. And we want to make sure that we put all the weight into our season of singing and eliminate the weight from our seasons of struggle. Seasons of struggle. This is where things are just not going right in your life. There is a lot that you think, well, it shouldn't be like this. It should be different. The struggle is real. Things need to change. Not all is as it should be. And we all know the season. I don't feel I need to explain what a struggle season is in too much detail because I'm sure you can all understand. And then there are singing seasons. This is where things are going just the way that they should be. Your porridge is not too hot. It's not too cold. It's just right. And our natural response to that season is just to overflow and sing. Loudest in the shower. The hills are alive. I've never sung that in the shower. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hand, you know. We want to sing. May God give us all a new song and a season of singing. Amen. And the longer it lasts, the better. I want my season of singing to continue. Relationships are good, money is good, health is good. Let the singing never stop. So on one side we have the struggle and on the other side we have the singing. And in this text that we just read now, I see four weights that go on to the struggle season, all starting with an S, so it's easy for our note-taking. <laughs> and then three weights on the season of our singing. And they all start with a P, to make that easy to remember. Because we want to make sure that we tilt the scale in our favor to a season of singing and a season of song. Now for the good news and the bad news. Part of the bad news is that thing wants to attack me. I know it does. The bad news is that we can't completely eliminate the struggle from our lives. I'll tell you from the pulpit right up front, if you're like, ah, come to Jesus, give your life to Jesus, all be wonderful, smooth sailing from then on. No, you cannot and we cannot eliminate the season of struggle from our lives. They serve a purpose. God allows them. God, by His Permissible will allow seasons of struggle. Even Jesus Christ grew through seasons of struggle. It's possible to prolong our season of struggling. And we don't want to prolong our season of struggling. The good news is that there are three things from the text 
that we can do to minimize the struggle and maximize the season of song. Through faith, we tilt the scale in our favor. And how we respond determines how we tilt that scale. Many of you right now can be in a season of struggle and it's real and it's overwhelming and it's painful. And if you will just do these things, you tilt the season into a season of singing. And instead of fluctuating between singing and struggling and singing and struggling, even though we can't eliminate the struggle because it serves a purpose, the gap between singing seasons will be reduced. Spiritual maturity pulls the singing through the season of struggle so that the song never stops. (laughs) Thank you very much, whoever that was. Amen for that. I want to read that again. Spiritual maturity pulls the singing through the seasons of struggle so that the song never stops. Like the old song, I'm singing in the rain. Do you know that song, right? Sometimes we can't stop the rain. According to scripture, sometimes we can. Elijah did. He stopped the rain. Yet either way, whether it's sunny or whether it's storming, the song continues. Church, many people have lost their song. The song is gone. And it's time to get our song back again. Today we are tilting the scale from sinning or struggling to singing even when we struggle. We can add the weight to our seasons of singing. So what are the four weights of the struggle season that we see from this text? Four things that are going to come against your life. It is going to happen. But we have a say of how much. So what are the four things that weigh down our season of of, uh, struggle? Number one, suffering. Well, I haven't got numbers. Suffering, sickness, sinning, and straying. Suffering, sickness, sinning, and straying. Sometimes these things are our fault. Sometimes they're not our fault. Sometimes they are heavier and more weighty than at other times. Sometimes they are all on the scale. All of these suffering, sickness, sinning, and straying are all on the scale, but sometimes it's just a little bit of one of them. The goal is not to remove, I mean, we can't completely remove the weight of of suffering, sickness, sinning, and straying, but we can reduce those things as far as possible and permanently add to the weight of our singing things that will tilt the scale in our favor. So what are the weights that tilt the scale in our favor? So we've got four heavy weights. Mm on the scale of our struggle. And they weigh us down. Now we want to go and we want to put things on the other side of the scale that tilt it in our favor. So what are they? So simple. But if I saw the whole church doing this all the time, we wouldn't see the struggle we see like we do. Prayer, praise, and proclamation. So simple. So powerful. And if we just do these simple things praise and proclamation. And then what we do is we take these three heavy weights and we double them up by making it both public and private. So we pray privately and we pray publicly. We praise privately and we praise publicly. We proclaim privately and publicly. And proclaim might not be the best word. It just rhymes with P, so I'm going to go for it. But it kind of, it it, it declares what we speak. We do these things publicly, privately, and Permanently, if you will permanently pray, praise, and proclaim, you will tilt your life into seasons of favor instead of seasons of struggle. So I want to break them down. Are you all with me? Okay. 
not completely convinced. <laughs> Prayer is talking to God, asking Him to bring about change. Asking for wisdom and understanding. Lord, I don't understand the season, but please help me to understand it. In inviting His peace and His perspective. Lord, this is not what I planned, but if you are lying this, what is it that I can learn from? Lord, help me to draw strength from you. So we, we get strength and we get grace when we pray. We talk to God and God talks to us. We had dinner with friends Friday night and they're sitting in the church. I'm not sure if they are both sitting in the church. I'm not sure where they are. But they are together. They are alive. They are married as a result of prayer. My life is the result of prayer. Every blessing I have is the result of prayer. Every good thing I've got is the result of prayer. Prayer changes everything. Our marriage is the result of prayer. Prayer changes everything. Scripture would never tell us to pray if God was just telling us to waste our time. So when you pray, something happens. God is listening. God is hearing. And I know he might say yes, he might say no, he might say wait, but God is listening to our prayers. Sometimes it changes the situation. Sometimes it changes our perspective. Maybe the circumstances don't change, but our perspective does. Sometimes it changes us. Sometimes it changes someone else. Sometimes it changes all of us. Yet it always unlocks God's power. Jesus, please open our eyes to the power of prayer. When we pray... We pray in line with Scripture. And the more we pray, the more we line ourselves up with Scripture, the more powerful our prayers have, the more testimonies we have, the more God is glorified. Pray, pray, pray. According to Scripture, how often? Without ceasing. I pray like I breathe. Then we praise. Praise is to make Jesus the focal point of my singing. You might sing all the time, but you're not singing to Jesus. So we praise Declaring His glory, not based on my struggle or based on my lack of struggle, but based on, the holy, on His holiness. So we don't sing because everything's perfect. We sing because God is perfect. Praise changes our perspective. When we praise, we praise in line with Scripture. The songs that, that um, Bronwyn chooses or the team chooses for us to sing on a Sunday are in line with Scripture. We're singing Scriptures over our lives. Then we proclaim. This is to declare God's truth. Sometimes over ourselves, sometimes over others. This is when we make the gospel both private and public. And when we do, it changes us. It changes others and it leads to eternal life. You carry something that if you give to someone else can open the door for them to live eternally in the presence of God. It's massive. And how will they know if nobody tells them? So what we do, it, it changes us, it changes others, it opens the door to eternal life. And when we proclaim, we proclaim Scripture. And when we center our lives around private and public praise, proclamation and prayer, we gain strength through our struggle. We gain strength in our sickness. We gain strength over sin. And we gain strength not to stray. These things may reign over our lives and they probably will. But when they do, I will sing in the rain because I will not stop praying, praising or proclaiming no matter what the season. They will reign over our lives, but they don't own us. God does. When we pray, praise and proclaim, we push back darkness and we pull in the light. The truth is, 
You don't need to do any of those things ever. No one is going to put a gun to your head and tell you to pray, praise, and proclaim. It's just not going to happen. Maybe if you're under a certain age, you're dragged to church by your parents. But how we pray, praise, and proclaim is completely up to us. We will stand... <laughs> are you looking at your children? <laughs> oh, that's funny. But your children are adults already. So, oh, come to church. I digress. No one has a gun to our head. Yet when we are not intentional about these things, when I'm not intentional about praying, praising, and proclaiming, then the scale will by default tilt into struggle. And somebody said, Amen. Amen. These things may not take our problems away. Prayer, praise, and proclamation. They draw purpose out of the problems. They turn tests into testimonies. We grow and God gets glorified. Through these things, we tilt the scale in our favor. You right now have a massive influence over how life goes from this day forward. Struggle may come. Sickness may come. These things may come. We will continue to pray. We will continue to praise. We will continue to proclaim both privately and publicly. And the more we do those things the more our song comes alive. So, I'm going to break down the last four, and I know it's very hot. So then, breaking them down, the, the, the four things. Suffering. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should play. Uh, pray, play. We can suffer because of what we've done. We can suffer because of what's been done to us. We can suffer because of what we've done to others. We can even suffer because we do the right thing. You can be living in perfect obedience and do the right thing and still suffer. Paul, the apostle and writer of most of the New Testament, he suffered for sharing the gospel. Imagine going to jail for doing the right thing. And that's not just one guy. Many people in Scripture have gone to jail for honoring God. What does that do to our theology? Lord, I served you, I obeyed you, I did exactly what you wanted, and then I got sick. Or then I faced struggle, then I got imprisoned. Um, Paul was beaten. Rejected, shipwrecked, imprisoned, bitten by a snake, all while devoting his life to serving Jesus. Jesus never, ever sinned, not even once, yet still faced suffering. When we struggle, we need to remember, hear this, God never wastes a hurt. God will never waste a hurt. If anything, he uses them to make us stronger. Yet when we don't want to invite, we don't want to invite unnecessary suffering... We don't want to prolong our suffering and we don't want to miss the lesson that suffering has to teach us. That's not the kind of thing we all want to amen to. But the truth is, suffering will come and we will respond in a way that keeps our song alive. What is the wisest way to respond? To suffering, pray, prose, proclaim. Anyone can sing when the suffering stops. But how many of us can sing through the suffering? In in Acts 16, Paul, the apostle, was in jail because he was preaching the gospel. So Paul and Silas were in jail. Just picture it. And the prison cells were like cutouts and caves and kind of things. So they weren't these, you know, high room with an electric button. It It was changed to a very low cell. And Paul and Silas were in prison. And while they're in prison... For, for, while they're in prison for praising God, I mean for doing the right thing, they're preaching the gospel, they get in prison, and while they're in prison, they're praying and they're praising out loud. And then what happens is while they're praising, God sends an earthquake and shakes the earth and the prison doors fly open. And Paul is free. The chains break. He can run away. 
And Paul and Silas are there. So the jailer at the time thinks, oh, I'm in trouble. The prisoners are going to escape. He grabs his sword. He's going to kill himself because he thinks, I'd rather die this way. And Paul says, no, 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 stop. I was praying, I was praising, and now I've got something to tell you. I've got a proclamation. And he tells him the gospel. And what does that guy do? Him and his entire household are saved. And then Paul can run and escape. The the other prisoners, they stay as far as I understand. Paul stays and he says, God has control over my life. Yes, I was facing a situation of struggle, but God is sovereign over my struggle. Therefore, where he wants me, I will go. So he could have escaped, but he praised, he prayed, and he proclaimed in the prison. So some of you are in a prison right now. Sure, Tim, I'm, I'm loving my own preach, so I hope, I hope. I was just thinking about it for my own life. Then sickness. This is a deep, rich, hard theology. Regarding sickness, not all sin leads to sickness, yet it is possible to be sick because of sin. Now, I don't want to stress anyone out. To be clear, not all sickness is the result of sin. Absolutely not all sickness is the result of sin. Most often not. I understand that Adam and Eve initially sinned in the garden and that opened the door for sickness, yet we can be sick not as a result of sin. We live in a fallen world with germs and bacteria and viruses and disease, and our bodies are brittle, fragile, and temporary. They are not forever. Yet my prayer is always, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is, as it is in heaven. Why? Because there's no sickness in heaven, therefore I will pray heaven to earth. And if we are too sick to go to church, you cannot even get out of bed, then what you do is you call for the leaders of the church to go and anoint you with oil. And the oil doesn't heal you, it's symbolic of the Spirit of God bringing about anointing healing over your lives. So if you are sick, you call the leaders and we come and pray for you. Not everyone is healed, but some are. Our response to God is to pray. And if you are not healed, I don't want to be somber, this is hard. If you are not healed, and we die. From that moment on, we are eternally healed and the victory is ours. But until then, we'll do as Jesus taught us to do. And we will pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if I'm sick, I trust God for healing. And if God heals me, all glory to God. If God doesn't, he allows that season and Lord, may I learn the lessons I need to. Big theology, sin and sickness, and I hope that makes sense. Oh, but Tim, you were sick a couple of weeks ago. What is the sin in your life? It was germs. <laughs> germs. So we have suffering, sickness, and next James talks about sinning. James 5 verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces powerful results. I'm going to share something with you now. That will remove chains from some of you. Chains that God doesn't want to be there. And you have the power this morning to break those chains. We've had it declared. We shouted the name of Jesus. When we have sin in our lives. This is so important. We confess our sins to God. For forgiveness. And we confess our sins to each other. For healing. You might remain unwell. Because you carry things that should be confessed. One of the greatest gifts we have, yet one of the most intimidating things, maybe for men especially, is to go and talk to somebody about your sin struggle. And me. 
to talk to somebody about your, uh, our sin struggle. What it does is when we talk to somebody, it takes that weight off the scale of our suffering and it puts the song back in our lives. I, I had, that's, this is where I squeezed the word proclaim in. I proclaim, I declare, I make known to God and to others the good things coming my way and the bad. I tell the whole world about the good news of the gospel, but then I'm selective about who I tell about my sin and struggling. So I choose people who are wise, who will help me process that thing, that will hold me accountable, that will walk through that thing. I believe that if there's people sitting here, and you're sitting here with a sin issue in your life, tell somebody, please. It can take the chains away that you don't want to be carrying around. Whether it's from porn to fear to an insecurity to something that you haven't told somebody or something's happened, Please talk to somebody. The chains will fall off you. When this happens, when we talk, when we bring it into the light, it pushes the darkness away. And the last one is straying. Whenever we stray, if you're taking notes, whenever we stray, our song goes away. Ooh, poetry brought to you by Tim Peterson. (laughs) Um, No one can force us to pray, proclaim, or or, um, praise privately or publicly. As a church, we create space for all of those things to exist. So if you want to do those things both privately and publicly, we've created a space for you. But culture has a drift. And if we are not intentional about prayer, praise, and proclamation, then by default we will drift. James 5, 19 and 20. My dear friends, we're nearly done. If you know people who have wandered off of God's truth, in other words, you can wander from the truth, don't write them off. Go after them. Get them back and you will have... Uh, rescued precious lives from destruction and prevented an epidemic of wandering away from God. Since COVID, I heard in in the statistics in America, since COVID, during that COVID season, over 30,000 churches closed down and never ever opened again. And those people just wandered away. Lots of them. Some found other churches. Many of them drifted. And there must be tens of thousands of churches all around the world and people in our community that are wandering around and God's given us a mandate to get them back. If they're in another church, God bless them. Then they're connected. But they can't wander around not connected. We don't have complete control over our suffering, but we can choose how we respond to it. We don't have complete control over sickness. Yet how we live, how we handle our health and how we confess is up to us. We can choose to deal with sin and we can choose not to stray. Suffering, sickness, sinning and straying are like little jackals and they will come and they will try and nip at you and they will try and steal your joy and steal your song. But the more you put your weight into public and private prayer, praise and proclamation, the more secure you'll be, even through your struggle. So I'm not going to read it now. James 5, 13 to 20. Go over it. And look for it. Suffering, sickness, sinning, and straying. Then look for our response to it. Prayer, praise, and proclamation. Can the ministry team... I know, wow, we are all... like It's like a sauna, a beautiful sauna in here. Um, can the ministry team... Can you guys come forward? Isaac and Eleanor. Can you guys come forward? Fidelis Agnes Safiso. Thank you, Kim. Robert and Amory.
some people in the room, I believe, you are walking around holding on to secrets. And I'm not saying everyone that comes up is going to be coming up for a secret. We have heard incredible testimonies over what God has done through people that have come up for prayer. Doors opening for jobs, people being healed of sickness, people confessing and breaking the chains of those things, giving testimonies to God. There is power when we pray. I challenge you this morning, if you've gone through anything, if it matters to you, it matters to God. Come forward and receive prayer. And watch what God will do when we pray in faith. Let's, let's stand together and pray. Lord, your word says the prayer of the righteous man and woman is powerful and effective. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will all be in right standing with you with powerful and effective prayers. I pray, Lord, that our prayers will not be hindered. Husbands, how we treat our wives affects how our prayers are responded to. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we will honor our wives. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for everybody in this room, that from this day forward, they will put so much weight into prayer, praise, and proclamation. They will be bold in sharing their faith If there's people in the room that are struggling, I thank you, Lord, as they speak their struggles, the power of those things will be broken in Jesus' name. You are good. You are good and your love endures. We love you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that we will not walk around with our struggling, our suffering, our sickness, our sin, straying from you. I thank you, Lord Jesus. We will hold on to both private and public Prayer, praise, and proclamation. I thank you, Lord, that anyone that comes up this morning will experience the supernatural power of God and favor and blessing. Stir our hearts to respond to you today. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, from this day forward, we will all pray more than we've ever prayed before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.